going on, everybody? This is episode number 79 of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex Ivatrunch back again. We have a lot of news today uh, as far as the Yankees go. And this was actually planning, you know, to be a Yankees episode. I think I might do it that way from now on. Maybe like a Tuesday be a Giants episode and maybe a Friday be a Yankees episode. Obviously, that might change going to the uh, 20 with 21 season for the New York Yankees. Obviously, spring training is about a month away. But we have a lot to talk about. Expectations for 2021. Um, that's not necessarily of the Yankees. I'm going to go into it as, like, you know, what stadiums will do as far as, like, social distancing and that stuff. I'm going to go right into it. DJ LeMahieu is back. Uh, when I woke up this morning for school, he was signed but later came out to be, you know, the contract details. I'll get into that. Corey Kluber, just a couple of minutes ago, he was announced pending a physical to have finalized a two-year contract with the New York Yankees. That is big for the starting rotation. If they could get him, like, not as big money as maybe like Trevor Bauer and get Kluber cheap, that's really key for this rotation. Arbitration, a lot of Yankees, you know, um... Avoided arbitration with the team. Don't have to go to hearings now that they settled it. And 2020 MLB rules. I'm going to go on that and, you know, all of the rules that the MLB actually implemented last year. And will they be coming back? There's like certain reports that are uh, feuding each other. But let's get right into it. So, you know, I was originally going to go into like the Kluber stuff. But I want to go on schedule here. So expectations for 2021. And, um... Obviously, right now, it's up in the air for a couple different things. The vaccine's coming out. So, for spring training, um, and this report came out a couple days ago with Bobby Nightingale. And I didn't read the article because it's like, oh, you got to have a subscription to USA Today. Um, so, I tried asking around for, you know, what was the details. And I think Barstool came out with it and said, at spring training, tickets will be sold in groups of pods. So, I guess, like, I don't know, three people... Um, and that those people will probably be seated about six feet away from each other. They necessarily haven't ruled the capacity out, which would play a very big role. And obviously masks probably are expected to be worn no matter the area. Um, that's probably, you know, Florida has been, I would say, um, less, it's like, it's different from what New York would do as far as restrictions go. They've been very hands-off Florida. They've left it up to local communities and that stuff like that to enforce some coronavirus restrictions. Um, I want to see what Arizona does. I don't think they'll be that much off the board or you know that much different than, let's say, Florida. But again, we'll see what happens. Um, the expectation, obviously, when you're going into the stadium, and this could be for all year, um, is that you're going to have to follow safety protocols. Everyone wants to be back in the building. So what it will entail is that, you know, obviously following safety protocols for everybody, A. B, you know, everyone's going to want to get back in the building, so the ticket prices are going to be high. Now, I almost crapped my pants the other day because I was looking at opening date prices, and it was like, I think it was like 8000 for outfield seats at Yankee Stadium. I'm like, whoa, they just jumped a lot. But my friend's like, you know what? Those might be opening day. And it's basically like the cap number for the NFL. You don't know what the prices will be until they officially come out. So that is um, definitely something to look at. 
you know, we'll wait till it comes out because I'm not going to, you know, assume anything. But ticket prices will be higher for every MLB team. I mean, with the Chiefs, and they had a couple of uh, home games this season, I think it was like 260 bucks per ticket. And it obviously was social distance and masks and everything else. But it was 260 bucks per seat, and they're a small market team. So if you're a big market team and you lost a lot last year, like the Yankees, you're probably going to increase your prices. And, you know, no fans last year, not even half or not even 25%. So um, that was mostly for all MLB teams last year, except for um, the playoffs in Texas, obviously. Uh, limited capacity to start is another expectation that we should really follow through with or at least think. Because, you know, whether the vaccine is out in time or not, they're not going to let full people back into the stands. They're not going to do that. I think that would be very risky for the MLB's sake. And that would be headlines everywhere. I think that would be a very big money move for the MLB trying to make, you know, revenue back. And I understand, but, you know, you can't put uh, money before lives. You know, there's certain situations where you can put money before other things, but I think lives with this is very, um, very, very touchy subject. And obviously, you'll see a high price on food as well, because like people are complaining, oh, Yankee Stadium, you know, the food is too pricey. Well, what do you expect? It's Yankee Stadium, probably one of the best ballparks out there. Look where it's located, and you expect them to have a hot dog for like three bucks. No. I mean, I don't know where people get this from. I mean, I had a. Um, I had an ice cream, or it was something else. I think it cost like $9 or something. It was like a milkshake or a beverage. I think it was a soda or it was a vanilla milkshake. That was like $9 at the stadium. You have to have big bucks when you go to the stadium. And coming into this year, watch what you pay for as well. Because there will be um, ticket, you know, ticket uh, companies like Vivid Seats and StubHub and those other companies that will sell the tickets but i would watch if you guys being fans or if you've purchased your tickets already if you guys will actually get the money back let's just say they you know say oh we can only have up to this much in the stadium or we can't have fans at all you know um we're limiting the capacity whatever the situation may be but as a proactive person in this whole situation, and this goes for anything like canceling events-wise, you have to watch what you pay for. Because, you know, the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of these companies want to make money. And Vivid Seats didn't make any money, probably because obviously there was no fans in the stands last year. Um, other companies, but they're looking probably, in my opinion, to skim you. So, in my opinion, for the ones that are purchasing tickets and stuff, you probably want to read the rules and say, is there refunds? Is there not refunds? So you probably want to look into that. Later on, I'm going to go into the MLB rules from 2020 and are they coming back? Are they not? There's disputing reports on that. So Corey Kluber is in the Bronx now, but I'm going to read the list of headlines that came out this week regarding him before I get to the actual deal. Now, I know I have LeMahieu on the uh, schedule to the right side of uh, the video, but I'm going to go into Kluber first because I think that a lot of Yankee fans, this is a new thing for them. LeMahieu is necessarily not. 
So Kluber a couple of days ago hosted a workout in Florida. Now, according to ESPN's Jeff Passan, nearly 25 teams showed up at Kluber's showcase, and scouts were impressed. His fastball sat at 88 to 90 miles an hour, and he got more velocity in the tank as he builds to uh, work towards spring training. He threw about 30 pitches, including some of his off-speed stuff and strong market expected. So um, he did mo- he did miss some part of 2020 for like some muscle in his shoulder injury, something like that. Um, the market was expected to be about six million per year with Kluber. Um, there was also rumors that were saying, "Oh, he's only wanting a one-year deal." Well, he signed it. He reportedly is going through with a two-year deal with the Yankees, ten million per year. And a lot of these pitchers like Kluber and Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer, the real question is not whether they can perform um, because of their contract. I mean, that plays into a part of it. But it's whether they can perform in the big city, in the big market. Sonny Gray couldn't do that and actually blamed it on the Yankees for some reason, but that's his own problem. You're going to have big media and you're going to have you know if you have a good start you'll be on the front of the newspaper um and if you have a bad start well you'll be on the newspaper definitely whether it's the back page or the front page or whatever i mean a lot of people don't read newspapers anymore it's more of the online stuff but the point is new york media is harsh and the real question is can kluber handle it obviously him coming to new york is obviously saying hey i'm up for the challenge on coming to New York and actually, you know, dealing with the media. I'm going to pitch my best. And I don't think it's like one of them situations where the Yankees sign him to this big contract and they can't get out of it if he sucks. They said, and this is sources, are saying that it's expected to be from $5 million to $10 million per year, but more in the $10 million range. And with a two-year deal, that's like $20 million total in the contract, which isn't bad. Um, Steve still leaves a little room for um, any other signings they want to make. They haven't contacted Tanaka recently. They're not re-signing Brett Gardner because of the outfield depth they got in Socrates, Brito, and Greg Allen. I mean, even though those are two flunkies, you know, Gardner is, in my opinion, not going to be a Yankee, and he might just end up retiring. But, you know, Gardner's a fan favorite. He's a homegrown guy in the respect that he's been with this team all of his life. So... Uh, hats off to him. But before I go into LeMahieu, Masahiro Tanaka, his market is expected to be around $15 million per year. So in my opinion, and I had this expectation from day one, is that I don't think the Yankees are going to re-sign Tanaka. They've showed no communication with him. He, um, he doesn't, It doesn't seem like he's a priority for them, to be honest with you, um, which is sad, but... You know, let's see what other teams try to invest in him, try to pick him up with uh, $15 million. Maybe the White Sox pick him up. Maybe this team picks him up. Maybe another team picks him up. Some team that needs starting pitching. But with this rotation, you'll have Garrett Cole. You'll have Corey Kluber. You'll get Severino at some point um, within the season because, remember, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. You'll have Domingo Herman. Expectation is that, you know, he's in there and he pitches well but he didn't really do that good in the Dominican Winter League. You also have Jordan Montgomery, Davy Garcia, a lot of the guys competing for the back-end rotation. And it's getting, it's going to get a lot more tough as Severino comes back because one is Cole, 
Two is Kluber, and I'm just doing this to start the season. Three is probably Herman. Four is probably Montgomery. And five is probably like Davy Garcia or Jonathan Luizaga. But you add Severino in there probably like at three or two. And he's probably not going to be to the fullest of health. He's probably going to still be recovering and rehabbing. So, I mean, they'll probably, my expectation is skip over some starts, maybe give him some extra rest. But you know how the bullpen days work in this modern-day MLB. But it's going to get tighter as we go along. And prospects will have to prove themselves in order to stay on this roster and to stay with this ball club. Because we know that if you're not liked in New York, you're going to get traded out. Chance Adams, you're the prime example of that. And Clint Frazier, well, we don't know if he's going to be traded out of New York. Even though he was one of the guys that the Yankees avoided arbitration with. So let's get into LeMayhew, and earlier this week, like sort of last week, but earlier this week, he was reportedly getting pissed off at the Yankees and trying to look and negotiate with other teams. Teams interested are the White Sox, Dodgers, Blue Jays, Red Sox. Some of those teams interested, and I think the Mets were also interested as well, but you know, Steve Cohen is trying to impress the fans, and you know what, good for him, but uh, I just don't want to hear Mets fans. So um, at first, the Yankees were only going up to a four-year deal, and... Announced this morning that DJ is coming back. I'm very happy uh, that we got him back. And, you know, they said five years, $25 million per year, blah, blah, blah. But surprisingly, it cut down $10 million. Six years, $90 million. So that's $15 million per year. And I'm surprised they actually, you know, DJ didn't want more. But I guess maybe his heart was in it with the New York Yankees, and he just wanted the length. I mean, that's very... Um, surprising that they didn't actually say hey you know um meaning LeMahieu and his team of agents hey we don't you know want 15 million per year we want 25 26 he won a batting title which is understandable but at the same time you know LeMahieu he's not a power hitter like you say Aaron Judge you know he's a solid hitter and he will give you the home runs he will give you the RBIs that stuff so I'm very happy he's back for lack of better words and obviously I just explained it now, here's who the Yankees avoided arbitration with. Now, it seems very weird because have the Yankees just, like, been sleeping and living under a rock these past three months? I mean, they haven't been doing anything. Socrates, Brito, and Greg Allen, they're only minor signings. Matt Bowman as well. But I guess the big moves were made today. Something about January 15th, 2021. Hey, let's go out and make these moves today. So here are the arbitration cases that have been resolved and... Nobody will be headed to an arbitration hearing. And I'll read the uh, listings out right now. Aaron Judge, that was probably one of the first to come out. $10.175 million. Gary Sanchez, $6.35 million. Luke Voigt, $4.70 million. Drew Urshela, $4.65 million. Gleyber Torres, $4 million. Chad Green, $2.15 million. Uh, Clint Frazier, $2 million. And Jordan Montgomery, $2.13 million. So... Um, good thing that nobody's going to have to go to a arbitration hearing, but it's nice to get all these players back. Um, I don't see the Yankees replacing Sanchez, despite anything about arbitration. You know, they haven't said, oh, the Yankees are looking to shop Sanchez recently. They're not, you know, there's no reports coming out saying, oh, uh, the Yankees, they're looking to uh, replace Sanchez, go after a free agent catcher. I mean, obviously, they're solidified as backup with Kyle Higashoka, so, I mean, that's, he's a good backup, and he really deserves it, because he's been in the minor leagues, or was, 
uh, since 2008. And that was before the Yankees won their last title. So that has to tell you something. And I'm just glad that LeMahieu and Kluber are in New York. And maybe we have extra room to sign somebody else. I don't think it's going to be any like big money signing. But uh, you know what? Good for the Yankees. Been expecting this all off season, And now uh, we can go into spring training not worrying about anything. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is the rules that MLB implemented last year with the pandemic. And there were multiple reports saying the MLB will not bring these rules back. And I'm actually going to come out with an article tomorrow on why the universal DH should come back. That's one of the rules that I actually like. Because, yeah, it's always fun to see, oh, the pitcher's hitting. You know, this is going to be fun to watch. Especially for, like, AL teams that... um don't get a lot of interleague matchups or don't get it that often. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But that's the one part I like about Universal DH, and I'll start with that. But at the same time, you don't want your pitchers getting injured and, you know, you make room for a DH. Um, I'm probably going to go more into depth with my article tomorrow. I'm also going to write one for Last Word on Sports. Um, Last Word on Football, to be exact, being that, you know, the Giants... What target, what free agents should they target this offseason? So I'll go into that. Obviously, that's a football-related topic. Guys, look out for that uh, tomorrow. I mean, both should come out tomorrow, realistically. I have some time tonight, so I'll probably get both of those done. Runner on second rule. I don't think this is a productive rule, in my opinion. Um, the reason, you know, they put this in was a pace of play. And they implemented this in 2020... Because they wanted the players to spend, you know, as much time off the field as possible. And, you know, not in the clubhouse as well. But, again, pace of play is probably one of the reasons they implemented this. And they knew 2020 was going to be a pandemic season. So, you know what? Let's just throw these rules in here. And we're going to experiment with them. I don't think that it is a good rule in my opinion. Because I think MLB is starting to cater to a lot of people who don't traditionally like baseball, but like to complain about it. That's being of pace of play. Oh, it's too long. It's this, that, and the other thing. Personally, obviously, I was born in the 2000s, so I'm not with the 1950 folks of baseball. However, I do like to watch a full game of baseball. It interests me. And I understand that, you know, it's three hours. Well, let's see. I understand that football games and uh, basketball games, they're three hours technically. I mean basketball i feel that it's shortened this year but you know that's not really the point right now um baseball is not timed so that's where the pitch clock comes in that's where the runner on second rule comes in runner on second rule basically if you guys don't know is a rule that if you go into the extra innings every team will in the matchup whether it be the top of the inning or the bottom of the inning you'll start off with a runner on second base automatically and i think that should have you know open the door for teams to bunt more this season. I would have to check like analytics and see how much, but bunting is a lost art, as my former coach described it. It's a lost art, and that's because analytics. You know, Aaron Boone doesn't like bunting. Kevin Cash doesn't like bunting. A lot of analytics teams don't like bunting, and it's sad because I would rather move the runner to third with one out than fly outs and all that other stuff. But it's a lost art, definitely, and I wish they would bring it back, but the new age of analytics is not bringing it back anytime soon. 
But to run on second rule, I mean, sometimes you'll have your faults with different rules and why this doesn't work, why that doesn't work, you know, the pros and cons of every rule. But what I'm saying about the runner on second rule is it extends the game to a lot of extent. If you have a runner on second and he's completely stupid but he has speed, you may just be winding up not scoring that inning. You might have a pop out. You might have a strikeout. You might have this. You might have that. There's so many situations where you may not score with the runner on second. And it will actually prolong the game. So I don't know where MLB is getting, oh, the pace of play rule. And it seems like the Atlantic, the Independent, and the minor leagues are the guinea pig leagues, meaning testing out every single rule that the MLB wants to implement. I know I think the Atlantic League was implementing robotic strike zones, but that's not coming anytime soon. That's probably going to come in in the next couple of years. But again, it's not going to be in 2021. They would have announced it by now. So the next one is expanded playoffs. And... It is a little bit interesting. I don't know where I sit on this rule. I sit mostly disagreeing, though, because if... And this is not like an NFC East thing, because most of the leagues, you know, primary NFL and MLB, they've had expanded playoff for 2020. You think you saw like seven, six wildcard teams, eight wildcard teams for the NFL this year, something like that. And you had expanded playoffs for the MLB this year. I think it was like... I don't know, eight teams, something like that. I don't know. Um, but for as for expanded playoffs, I don't think... I'm not in favor for it. Let's just put it that way. I'm not in favor of expanded playoffs. Um, you could say, oh, you don't have any evidence to support your reasoning. But I don't think that teams like that re- are rebuilding, like the Marlins and, I don't know, other teams that are rebuilding like the Mets, like last year, I don't think that they're in position to make the playoffs. It's not traditionally fair. It's kind of like an NFC East thing, but it's not, as I mentioned, um, because, oh, they're not in position to make the playoffs. You know, it kind of, I would say, ruins the game a little bit, in my opinion, because you automatically know in that wild card game, the best of three, I think it is, um, you automatically know that that team is probably not going to win could bet on it and say hey you know this team's gonna win by this much or whatever you know there's sports bettors everywhere that will bet on that but what i'm saying is you know it's just less fun and i don't think any under 500 mlb team and i don't think there would be a situation like this probably more in the nfl if they actually kept expanded playoffs rather than baseball but i just don't think that there should be expanded playoffs because there is the possibility of an under 500 mlb team making the playoffs is it more likely to happen in the NFL than the MLB, as I just said, yes. But, you know, in personal, I don't want to take that chance. And not because I'm a Yankee fan and because we win the division or make the wild card every season. I'm just not in favor for it. I think it's a one-year thing. Um, Bob Nightingale came out with that they may come back, meaning those rules, but other reports days ago were saying, you know, they're not coming back and MLB is not going to propose that. Going back to uh, what I said about the COVID restrictions and everything, they're not implementing vaccines or tests before the games, which, you know, probably tells you they will be implementing masks either way. But a lot of people will get mad and say they should or they should not be implementing vaccines and tests. We'll see what the outcome is and how MLB will respond to it. But as for expanded playoffs, I'm not in favor for it. And I think a lot of these rule changes might just, I don't know, destroy the MLB. So I'm not really in favor for that. But anyway, thank you guys for watching. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I would like to thank 
uh, Talking Giants for having me on. That gained me a lot of subscribers. I think the number was up to like 18 subscribers that I gained from going on that stream at first. And I also got a new camera. I don't know if you guys recognize it because the quality of the video may um, be bad. Because if you don't put it up to a certain uh, like 420p or something like that. Um, and you don't want to pay for anything. The video quality is going to be crap. But the audio quality is going to be there. So anyway, thank you guys. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Our podcast uh, platforms are Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Overcast, CastBox. And for updates and other stuff, Twitter and Instagram. Mostly active on Twitter. Thank you guys. And I'm not going to go live this week on Sunday. But uh, see you on Tuesday for another Giants episode.